0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. Today I'm going to talk about my three biggest failures in business, but a little bit, um, oh, how do I feel? Icky, like, uh, basically just found in my flat. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, are they called Woodlouse? Woodlice? Whatever. Like, a huge one. I would describe it as a... Maybe like a woodlouse slash cockroach, but like a... But like, maybe like a sea version of it. Oh! I can't get... Oh, it's, I feel very uncomfortable about it. Um. But I took that outside, told my dad about it. He said that he's very interested in it because he said that it's... um. The oldest, what do say? Something about it being a fossil, or it was like the, the oldest known species, or something vaguely interesting that now I can't remember. Anyway, oh, okay, right. I'm ready, I'm in the zone. <sighs> okay. This episode is my three biggest mistakes that I've made in business. And I preach a lot about learning from your mistakes before moving on. And the learning can be painful. You know, Um, there's no denying that, but learning from it is important. And I know it means that you need to linger just slightly longer on the mistake before drawing a line under it. But it also gives you quite good closure, I think. So if you can get your head around the fact that there will always be mistakes and that it is actually an important part of the process, then you kind of reduce your fear of them and you procrastinate less, and you are less likely to avoid taking action, because you're embracing the inevitable that sometimes you'll fail, and sometimes you'll make mistakes. And that is all part of the process. And I think what's really important, and and I see this a lot with uh, the coaches on AFM, about maybe, for example, starting new programmes. If it doesn't work, that's not an end point. It might be a failure on the way to the next thing, or a better thing, or a different thing, but it's not an end point. And as soon as you stop seeing failure as an end point, you become far less scared of it. And you probably see this with your clients all the time. Instead of seeing like one little slip up as I failed, I need to start again from the start. You see it as part of the process. And what really helps me is committing 100% to the end goal. So say your end goal is I want to get to a group coaching program of 50 clients. Or I want to make X amount of money. Or I want to help X amount of people. Or I want to grow a business to X size, however you're defining that, whether it's clients, whether it's money, whether it's the lifestyle that you want. As soon as you commit 100% to that, no matter what it takes, no matter what route you have to chew, you have to go down, then you take the pressure off. It's much like when a client's like, I'm going to commit 100% to losing this weight and getting in a healthy BMI range, no matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm not putting a time limit on it. I'm not saying it has to be done within this time. I'm not saying I have to do it flexibly dieting or I have to do it doing keto. I will find what works for me and I'm committed to that end goal. That way, when there are times where you're not making progress or you slip up or there's a failure or there's a mistake, you don't see it as this huge, I'll never make it there or I have to give up my goal completely. You just see it as part of the process along the way. That's not to say it's not painful. But it's much easier to accept that. And it's much easier to embrace things that scare you, things that might result in mistakes or might result in failures. Now, as much as I'm saying mistakes and failures and slip ups are part of the process, we do want to try to avoid them as much as possible or to be making like higher level mistakes. So like you don't need to make the mistakes that I've made because I'm going to teach you from my mistakes so you don't have to make them. You'll probably make different mistakes But at least you don't have to make the same ones. So this is why we're learning from mine today. So I've limited this to three because I want it to be a short, sharp podcast. But you know what? There are countless mistakes that I've made. Um, So maybe at some point I'll do a part two. But let's start with part one. So the first mistake I'm going to talk about is a pretty embarrassing mistake. Um, When we started EIQ Nutrition, we used a platform called Teachable and... They started taking 20% of our intake, which we kind of stupidly assumed we would get back because they said it was for tax. And we're like, okay, that's fine. So they're taking that money for tax, but we'll get it back to pay our tax with. Or maybe they were taking it in some other way and they were going to pay the tax. I don't know. We didn't look into it because it was freaking stupid in hindsight. But I just thought, well, it's such a big company and there's so many people that use it. Surely, surely that's fine. (laughs) Wrong. What we didn't consider is that it was their tax. Because yes, and Lord knows why, I can't, still, still now thinking about it, can't understand why, but instead of like most platforms, you know, like My PC Hub or like, you know, Kajabi, any any other platform where you set up your own Stripe, which Teachable does as well, so still can't really understand this, but you set up your own Stripe, so you're taking the payments as your business, so it's your tax, No, they take the payments and then they transfer it to you, apparently. You never see any of this behind the scenes. So they obviously have to pay VAT at 20%. So we lost 20% of the first two intakes of EIQ and obviously then had to pay our own tax on top of that. So that was a very expensive, and I don't know, do I want to say the figures? I think probably at least 30,000 more, maybe like 30 to 40,000 pound mistake. Um, yeah, quite a bit of pill to swallow, but a lesson lesson learned, you know, a very expensive lesson learned, and hopefully you can all learn from that mistake on this note, actually, if you are close to VAT threshold, that VAT whatever. As an online coach, it may be worth looking at flat rate VAT schemes. So you should ask your accountant about this. I am not an accountant. None of the advice I give, um, as we have just heard, should be listened to. (laughs) Um, But given that you're unlikely to get any of the benefits of being registered for VAT, for example, from like purchasing things, As an online business, as an online coaching business, you don't really get much benefit from that. So actually a flat rate scheme is usually the best, but obviously speak to your accountant about the specifics. I think it's something like 12% rather than 20%, which is lovely. You can only enter that scheme at a certain um, um, revenue and then you have to exit the scheme at certain revenue as well. So I think it's after you're making... want to say 220,000, you can no longer be on a flat rate, that scheme. So it's for like a a kind of finite period of time, but it is for that time period, that really annoying time period where if you went straight to 20%, you're actually making less money when you're between, say, about 80,000 and 120,000 pounds a year. You're actually making less money paying that because of the 20%. So that kind of helps you out for that period of time as you grow. Mistake number two. Was working with someone who's not aligned with my values or with my vision. Now, is this mis- this is this a mistake? Because I learned like a hell of a lot from it. And from the individual, even though we didn't align, I still learned a ton. So it's not to say that you can't learn from people that you don't align with. It's maybe to say that you don't want to start a business with them. Yeah, well, that would have been a good lesson. Um... And actually, this mistake and the next mistake are probably quite linked and probably kind of caused each other. So I don't know if they are 100% mistakes, and you'll probably see what I mean by this. But a lot of people will suggest that you should only work with people who have the same values as you. I actually think that that's quite small-minded and massively unrealistic. But... Do not work with people with opposing values to you or significantly different visions for where they or their business want to go in the future. If you have things that are really, you know, what's what's driving you is significantly different, you will clash at some point. And if your vision is very different for either how you want to coach or how you want to run business or the impact that you want to have, then it's not going to work long term. And this one cost me, again, over (laughs) £30,000. It's another very expensive mistake to make. Um, But, do you know what? You could also frame this as maybe I wouldn't have pushed myself to start mentoring in the first place if it wasn't for this other individual who pushed me a bit. Which kind of moves me on to the third mistake, which is the biggie. Probably the biggest mistake I've ever made in business. And is also why I've started mentoring. Not believing in yourself enough to do it alone. This has probably cost me more than both combined numerous times. That's not to say, by the way, I don't massively value my business partners now because they add. But if you're going into business with someone for the wrong reasons, i.e. I don't think I'm good enough to do this alone... And the only reason I'm doing it with someone else is because I don't have enough confidence to do it on my own. That is the wrong reason to do something. If you're like, we complement each other and we enjoy working together and we each bring different elements. And actually combined, we're better than one. You know, we're we're better than two even. Like combined, we are... <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Hopefully you get the gist. We are better combined and, and that you, you're you actually getting something out of working with that individual as opposed to just imposter syndrome, or lacking the confidence to do it alone, then it's a good idea to do, so always question yourself on that, like why, why do I want to team up with someone else, so yeah, this was the biggie for me, I spent far too long working for other people, I learned a hell of a lot doing that, both what I do want to do, and what I don't want to do, but Without fully realising it at the time, a lot of that was because I didn't have the confidence to do it alone yet. It wasn't a lack of ability. I absolutely had the ability to do that. But I held myself back with lack of confidence, which is the biggest lesson that I want to give people here. And it's why I love mentoring. Because if you don't have the confidence yet, I can give you that confidence. I can back you. I can support you. And I would not have made this mistake if I had a mentor. Or if I had a group like AFM with people pushing me to take the next step and encouraging me and supporting me and especially at times where I felt like I lacked confidence or I felt like I had an imposter syndrome or I was scared of failing. Those feelings, imposter syndrome, fear of failing, failing, fear of failure, lack of confidence, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere if you keep growing there will always be a next level. There will always be something that you're scared of doing because you're always growing. You're always moving forward. So the answer isn't like, oh, once I get this next qualification, I'll feel confident. No, (laughs) you have to start doing these things now because you'll never feel confident until you start taking action. And even then you won't because there'll be the next action. Like you should always have a little bit of imposter syndrome or a little bit of Fear of failure, because that means that you're pushing yourself. Fear of failure will always be there if you are continuing to set bigger goals so you can get used to that feeling. And more importantly, get used to having that feeling, feeling the fear, and then doing it anyway. And a huge part of that is having the support system in place to do that. It is so much easier to do things that scare you when you know that you're supported. A good example of this, and I hope that Corey doesn't mind me using her. <laughs> but Corey wanted to work with me. Um, she's on AFM now. And I insisted that instead of that, she joined AFM. Because she's ready to do it alone. And she's done the work, working for someone else. And what she was lacking wasn't a new boss, it was a new mentor. So her pushback to that was... I really like working in a team and AFM is a team. That's what we want. We all want each other to win. You don't need to work for someone to have that level of, I can never say this word, camaraderie, whatever, right? That level of support that you often get working with people. Being self-employed doesn't have to be lonely. You can find yourself a team, you can find yourself a support network and you can find yourself people who want the best for you and your business. That's what's going to make you grow. So the take, take home from these um, three biggest business mistakes are hopefully you can learn from the mistakes that I've made and a good exercise for you to do is to look back and consider maybe your own three biggest business mistakes and if you've taken lessons from those and what you can learn from them. And it's it's important to learn from your mistakes, but it can be quite painful and I would suggest that it's the most painful mistakes that you're probably going to learn the most from. So give that a go. If you're on AFM, share in the group. And if you're not and you want to join, then head to afmentors.com. You can fill in the application form and I will email you back. And there is absolutely no obligation to join from doing that. We can just have a chat about your business and figure out if we're a good fit or if we're not.